Welcome to the audio podcast of The Father's House. We hope and pray you are both challenged and encouraged by this time in the Word. Would you stand to your feet and let's welcome our lead pastor, Pastor Dave, as he comes today. Come on, let's give some of that to all our locations today. Would you welcome East Bay and Napa, Slavic, Ukraine service, Calgary, Canada, Prison Church Network, the ladies in Napa State, and everybody outside the room. Come on. We love you. Yeah! It's good to see you in church today. You ready? You ready for the word? All right. Before you're seated, would you turn to one person and say, I think he's going to be preaching right at you. This message is for you. Good to see you guys. Have a seat. Come on. Well, today's a a special day for the Father's House. This is Group Sunday. Come on, somebody. Show me some love. And by the way, next week we're starting a series. You don't want to miss it. So bring a friend. Come with some faith. And we're going to be giving a free book out to every family that we want you to read through for the next series we're jumping in. So excited about it. But today I, I want to talk to you about the importance of you being connected to other believers in community. And the Father's House is not just a big church that has kind of peripheral groups on the side, but we're actually a church of groups that come together on the weekend to celebrate, to hear the word, to worship together, and that's very important. It's an Acts 2020 model. Uh, Paul went from house to house and also to the synagogue or the large gathering of believers. You know, the Father's House was started in a small group. We started with a prayer meeting in the living room, and then as that grew, we went to a uh, some great people that were here since 1997, Bob and Stacia Elm, and uh, Wednesday nights until their living room couldn't handle any more people. And we begin to multiply and have groups in different homes. And guys like Paul Fernandez and Sean Austin, who's now with the Lord, started men's small groups. My wife started a small group for women to pray in, on Wednesday mornings in our living room. And, and uh, sure enough, for about 15 years, there was ladies' prayer groups in our living room and other living rooms around the city. So what we're experiencing today is the net result of community happening outside the walls of the church. And that is God's design. Now this is God's design for you all to be together, whatever location you're at, to worship together, to hear the word. It's both and. And I wanna talk to you about the the necessity for community. Now, you know, I talk to a lot of struggling believers, used to be believers, on my way out the door, believers, people that they just say things like, the Christian walk just isn't working for me, Pastor Dave. I tried that, you know, used to be a church attendee, and here's my observation. There's a lot of people living a substandard Christian life because their lives, their habits, their behavior is not aligned with biblical discipleship. And there's a big chasm between cultural Christianity and being a disciple according to the scripture. The West, especially America, is inundated with cultural Christianity. Let me explain that. Right now, in the nation you live in, 63% of the people that live in America identify themselves as Christian. That's a recent interview. Now, that number's been falling fairly quickly in the last couple decades, but I think it's unbelievable. I mean, if I look around my neighborhood and people I hang out with, I'm like, 63 of you people ain't in love with Jesus. I'm not being judgmental, just observations. (laughs) But then they dug a little deeper, and here's what the research showed. Less than 4% are living a lifestyle that could be categorized as a disciple of Christ, a faithful. So you have 63% all the way down to less than 4% because we have a cultural Christianity. 
Now, you know, you probably know this, but the word Christian, uh, it's a term that's been redeemed, but it started out as a derogatory slang term for the people of the way that were Christ followers in a city called Antioch. Now, the early disciples were called people of the way because they chose to walk in the way of this man called Jesus from Nazareth, who claimed to be the son of God. And many said he's the Messiah. But in Antioch, they begin to mock him. Christians means, oh, the little Christ. Now, the term Christian has been redeemed. It's not a negative term by any means. We use it all the time. And, you know, we, of course, have Christian churches and Christian radio and Christian television and Christian church merch and Christian tennis shoes. I don't know, holy donuts. There's a lot of, there's a lot of Christian stuff out there. It's not a negative thing. But three times in your Bible, the word Christian, 369 times in Scripture, the term disciple is used. Now, this term disciple was known from the Jewish context and understanding of a rabbi choosing a protege. So just as Jesus did, he walked along and he found young men and he said, follow me. And the rabbis would find faithful young men that were in synagogue and they had character and they would choose them. And when the disciple followed the rabbi, he would lay down his version of his life and become a student of the teacher following, emulating his steps, his vocabulary, his action, his doctrine, his theology. It was a full-blown commitment. I love the ancient Hebrew and Jewish saying, may you follow so close to your rabbi that the dust from his sandals covers your life. Is the dust from the sandals of Jesus identifiable upon your life? Because I think if we're casual Christians, there's another stat People who say, I attend church, I'm committed to my local church, national average right now is this. They go 1.5 weekends per month. Now, it was two full weekends per month pre-pandemic era. And if you come to the Father's house, that's an hour and 15 minutes a shot. And if we had some latte time and getting your kids checked in and maybe a little bit of commute, that's about three hours per month. Now, let's just do the math. 24 hours a day. Let's say 30 days in a month. How many hours is that, mathematicians? I'm going to go 720, but I used a calculator. 720 hours and three hours or 2.5 hours. It's not 5%. It's not 1%. It's 0.4%. And the people interviewed, they're not in small groups or community groups, Bible studies. They simply go to church once, once and a half. I don't know, half a service. Some people leave halfway through the sermon. I guess it works. But here's the deal. If that's our level of commitment, then we shouldn't be surprised if we're not experiencing biblical results of what God wants us to be as full-fledged disciples of Christ. Not here to beat you up, just sharing the information. What I wanna do today in the next couple minutes is I wanna call us back to normal. If we could just get back to normal based on what the New Testament tells us. There's a guy who wrote about revival about 50 years ago, Vance Havner, and he said this, Revival, which means an awakening, a recovery, a bringing back to life that which was seemingly dead, is a work of God's spirit among his people. But what we currently call revival is simply New Testament Christianity. It's the saints getting back to normal. So I want to call you up. So what is normal? Well, fortunately, we have the model. We have the blueprint. We have the template in the book of Acts. Jesus told his disciples, 500 of them on the Mount of Olives, 120 made it to the upper room. And he said, wait for the power. And when the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. The Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost and the church was birthed. Now here's what we see. And this is gonna be a, 
audience participation moment. At all locations, I'm gonna ask you to read the bold. I'll make a brief comment. We're gonna read four verses together. Are you ready? All right, bring it up. Here we go. Acts 2.44, ready, read. All the believers were together. And they had everything in common. So I want you to see this. The New Testament template blueprint, they were part of a community. Let's read the next verse, 45. They were selling their possessions and goods. Read together. They gave to anyone as he had need. Now, this is above and beyond. This is radical Holy Spirit motivated generosity. This is beyond what Pastor Tosh was talking about in the giving of the tithe. Remember, the New Testament church on the day of Pentecost was made up primarily of Jewish people. Those in Judaism, they came to the Passover feast because they were Jewish by religious preference. So they knew about the law of Moses and the Torah and bringing the first and the best. This is guys that had land and a second home and a vacation home selling their stuff with nobody leaning on them to do it to simply make sure everyone's needs were cared for. It was supernatural Holy Spirit generosity. Verse 46, and every day they continued, every day they continued to meet together, read together, in the temple courts, they broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. This was the model. So right now, everybody just repeat after me, I'm in the temple courts. East Bay, Nap, all you guys, you're in the temple courts. And so they would come to the large gathering where the apostles would get up and teach, but then they would go to their homes and they would break bread. It's twofold. They would share the Lord's Supper. They'd take a loaf of unleavened bread as commanded in the Old Testament, and they would say, this is the Lord's body, which is broken for you. And then they would drink the cup and say, this is the blood that was shed for you. And then they would have a meal together. So this was the pattern laid out, and it was consistent. It was continual. One more verse. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Here we go. And the Lord added daily, excuse me, my bad. Let's read that again. I botched it up for you. Reading one on one. Here we go. Praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people, and those who are being saved. I just took a hall pass, let you guys take it away. Um, daily, people were getting saved. Now, how is the church to advertise itself? And yeah, we do Instagram streams and we advertise in different ways. Maybe you heard about us on Facebook or whatever. But here's the way the church grew and affected every city. They met together in their homes, and there was favor upon them. You know, I read quite a bit of the book of Acts as I was preparing to meet with you guys this weekend, and I, I saw a reoccurring theme. Joy, gladness, sincere hearts, favor, growth, miracles, all these dynamics that we're longing for. And there's something you want in your life. You might not be able to articulate it. Maybe you've never thought about it this way, but here's what we all want. We want God's favor on us. Favor is the hand of God, and you want your, the favor of God on your marriage, on your children, on your business, on your health. And so the favor of God was on the church in such a way that it made an impact in the city. They all knew, hey, that's those believers down there that are following Jesus, and they were filled with gladness and joy. So many dynamics that are lacking in the westernized American church culture because we gotta get what? We gotta get back to normal. So here we go. I wanna share a couple big ideas before I do that. 
Uh, I want to read a verse that's probably familiar to many in the room and maybe new for you, but let's believe some revelation is going to land on us as we read. This is going to come on the full screen. Hebrews 10, 24. Would you lift your voice? Let's read together. Here we go. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Just remind you, the day of his return is drawing near. You look around our nation, I'm praying for 2024. There's turbulent water up ahead. We know that. So how much more should we not neglect the assembling of ourselves together? We should meet together, encourage one another. I want to give you two big ideas about community. Here's number one. Intentional community is the antidote for isolation. The antidote for isolation. And maybe you're an introvert, you feel like a loner, you enjoy your own company, that's cool, but here's the problem. Isolation produces eventual devastation. The psychology studies have been done. The scientific work has been done. All the reports are back in. And being isolated is negative on the human psyche, on the spirit man. Uh, here's a longstanding quote from a psychology journal. Opponents of solitary confinement claim that it is an extreme form of cruel and unusual punishment because the lack of human contact and the sensory deprivation have a severe negative impact that leads to mental illness. And here's been my understanding of it is this. When I'm alone for too long by myself, I just get weird. And so do you, because you're kind of weird. We're all a little bit weird. And when you're in isolation, you tend to think along the lines of deception. We have a tendency to think along the lines of deception and fiction more than truth. Because we weren't created for it. And if you look back just a couple years, that's why everybody, every pastors, leaders, probably yourselves, you, we went into a dark place in 2020, 2021. Why? Because of forced isolation. And for a couple years, I think about our students, our middle school students, our high school students, locked in the room for a couple years with an iPhone and video games, and depression went through the roof, and, and suicide went high and to the right. Why? Because we weren't designed to be isolated. You were built for community. And you don't have to look past like Genesis chapter one to figure this out. Remember Genesis one, read it. This is the creation. God shows up and he says, let there be light. There's light over the abyss and the darkness. And he saw that it was good. And then he separated the sea from the land and he said, oh, it is good. And then he made the beasts of the field and the birds of the air and he said, oh, it is good. Then fruit-bearing trees and seed within the tree to reproduce after their own kind. And he said, oh, it's good. Seven times. It's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. But then he created man. And he said, it's not good. <laughs> now, if I stop there, there's some married ladies thinking, you nailed that, Pastor. Preach that. That's a different counseling session, all right? Here's actually the verse out of Genesis 2. God said, it's not good for man to be alone. I'll make him a helper a companion. So God created companionship, and out of that companionship came family. Now, we know the story of Adam and Eve. They sinned against God. Sin brought separation, and separation brought isolation. And so it works in your life. When we have a pattern of sin, we're separated from God, and the more that we follow that pattern of sin, not only are we separated from our Heavenly Father, but we begin to isolate ourselves from community. 
We, we begin to find a lifestyle of loneliness and introversion. And, and God has not designed us for that, but we'll see in Adam and Eve that they pass down this trait to their family. Their first two sons, Cain and Abel. We know Cain had an anger problem. He took uh, out his little brother. And because of that, he went into isolation. Look at this in Genesis 4, 16. So Cain went out from the Lord's presence and he lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Now this Hebrew word Nod means wandering in isolation, the land of aimless wandering. It's my conviction, I'll submit this. I see a lot of believers that are living in a self-inflicted land of Nod, aimless wandering, isolated from people, because sin creates separation, and separation drives us into isolation and more deception. It's a dark place to end up. There, there was a, um, a pastor, theologian, back in the mid-1900s named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He was actually martyred for his faith at the age of 39, and he, he was brilliant. He made this statement right here. Sin demands to have a man by himself. It withdraws him from the community. The more isolated a person is, the more destructive the power of sin will be over him. And the more deeply he becomes involved in it, the more disastrous is his isolation. If you consider that statement, you're gonna find it to be true of your own life, your own journey. But this has been a problem in our culture for quite some time. There was a book written called Bowling Alone, and it was based on a study of, of society in about the last 50 years. And the author, Robert Putnam, uh, he talks about the collapse of American community, and he presents over 40 years of research and statistics about the way we behave in our nation. I just wanna read a little bit about his observation of the front porch. He writes, in the 1940s, 50s, and 60s, homes were built with large front porches while the backyard is where you hung the laundry and kept the dog. People would sit on the front porch in the evening, drink iced tea, and interact with the neighbors. But by the 70s and 80s, homes no longer prioritized the front porch other than a design facade. The front porch basically disappeared. It became all about the backyard. We became the nation that prioritized personal privacy, thus the gated community, fence yards, electric garage, and the ability to live for months and never actually see your neighbor. The study goes on to show that hardly anyone joins a bowling league anymore. We all bowl alone. So if you're in a bowling league, I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand. That could get awkward. The point is being made is over a 40-year study, American society has reclused, put up the gate, shut the garage door. We don't know our neighbors. And, and obviously it's because we do live in perilous times. It's dangerous out there. Most of you have security cameras on your house and codes and swipes and several guns. Okay, moving on. Just want to see who I'm preaching to. <laughs> Just flashback here on you for a minute. So I was born in Long Beach, California, and uh, my grandparents had a really cool old house uh, right downtown, old school Long Beach. Their house was probably built in the 1930s, and my grandparents' name, Francis and Brig, and I remember at this house, and I grew up there five, six, seven, eight years old, always running around, and it had one of those big, cool wraparound front porches, and they would sit out on the front porch, drink that sweet tea, and they were from North Carolina. Dinner would be cooking, and we had things like hominy grits and cornbread and collard greens and the good food, you know, stuff that's good for your cardio and such. 
But we hung out on the front porch, waving at the neighbors. The only thing in the backyard, a clothesline with the old school clothespins. Anybody remember those? And then a shed with grandpa's tools in it. But those days are gone, and with it, people have become isolated, and thus the increase of anxiety and depression and syndromes, and people are in a dark place mentally because you have to have community to thrive. That is normal. Now, I'm not talking about just, well, I got a golf course, and I got my buddies, you know, we hang out, I got three friends. By the way, do you think the whole craze of, you know, hundreds of friends that follow us on Facebook and online is such a facade. And just a tip, you know this, but those 500 friends on Facebook, they ain't your friends. You know who your friends are? The ones that show up to load the U-Haul when you move. Do all 500 of them show up? You know who your friends are? The ones that show up at the hospital when you checked in. Those, those are the friends. And that number's pretty small. But while we're talking about community, it's not just golf buddies. There's a Greek word in the New Testament called koinonia. And it means spirit to spirit connection and fellowship. So when you come together, as it says in Corinthians, and each one has a song and a prophetic word, the Holy Spirit moves from me to you and from you to me. And I receive from the grace of God in your life. And when we break bread, Jesus made this promise. When two or three gather in my name, there I am in the midst of them. The manifestation of his power arrives when we meet in community. And you can't get that in just any old group or bowling league. Thus the necessity to gather together. So all that I just shared and the dark side of devastation, of isolation, is cured by the church. God has given the church the antidote for the devastation of isolation. And here's what it is. A hundred times in your New Testament, you're going to see this phrase, one another, one another, one another. Do you know there are a hundred one another's that apply to you? And each one is a need for your spiritual health and maturity. I'm just going to read a few. I won't go through the list of a hundred, but see if you need some of this. Love one another. Yes, please. Be devoted to one another. Honor one another above yourselves. Live in harmony with one another. Build up one another. Be like-minded toward one another. Accept one another. Greet one another. Care for one another. Serve one another. Bear one another's burdens. Forgive one another. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Comfort one another. Encourage one another. Someone's thinking, is he going for all 100? That was 15. I got more of that, 85 more of those. Now think about this. Everything you want and you need in your life, you cannot provide for yourself. It's provided through community. And we're all looking for encouragement, comes from one another. You're probably looking for some comfort from time to time, compassion, someone to bear your burdens, some devotion, honor, to be built up, accepted, greeted, cared for, on and on it goes. And here's the key. It happens with one another. But you can't one another, one another, without one another. <laughs> Here's your Instagram quote of the day. <laughs> we need one another. But I, I can't get what I need for my life. I can't get comfort and care and prayer and encouragement and blessing and financial resource if I'm out here in isolation. So God has created the church. And I love Psalm 68, 6. It says the Lord takes the lonely, but the original word actually means the isolated. 
He takes the isolated and he sets him down in the middle of a family. And maybe you're here today and you're in a crowd, but you feel alone. You're in a crowd, but you feel isolated. God wants to grab your heart and set you down and get you planted in the house. Get in a small group and begin to walk with brothers and sisters in Christ. Find community. Let one another do the one another stuff. Come on, somebody. All right, second big idea. God appointed relationships call us out of the woods and back toward the call of God for our lives. Now, I'll explain the woods, but I think you already get it. We all know what it's like to be in the woods emotionally and mentally, to be alone with our thoughts and trapped. But this concept is out of an Old Testament narrative where King David was actually in these woods right here. This is the forest of Zeph. And if you went over that rise and kept headed that way, you would come down the incline and pass in Getty with all its fountains and streams. And, and then there would be the Dead Sea and uh, Masada and the Sinai wilderness. And so David is running from Saul. And Saul had rallied all the armies and the troops of Israel to take out the future anointed king. And David took off and he went past in Gedi in the cave of Adullam and wrote some depressing songs and finds himself alone in this forest right here, the forest of Zeph. And according to the songs he wrote from this place, he was not in a good mental and emotional space. And I would submit that we all find ourselves from time to time in the forest of Zeph, alone, and we forgot about the call of God on our lives. We forgot about the promise of God because when you get alone with your thoughts, you get weird and you start believing the lie. You start believing the deception when you're in the forest, in the spiritual realm and in an emotional realm and really even in a physical realm. Anybody ever been alone in the forest and the sun starts going down? Oh, dude, it gets weird. I share a story. It's not on the notes, but I'm ADD, so go with it. <laughs> Look, a preaching squirrel. <laughs> So I grew up in Southern Oregon, part of my upbringing, and my family lived on 27 acres. We had a bunch of horses. Uh, we had a few cows. We had a couple pigs. And I'd get home from school, rode the bus all the way out to Garden Valley, and I would ride my horse until the sun went down. Love to do it. And uh, at night, there was all these oak trees on these mountains of 27 acres, and I'd go to other people's property. And, but many times, I'd be out there, and I couldn't get back home before the sun had set. And these oak trees had moss hanging out of it. And something happens right about dusk when you're alone in the woods. All of a sudden in the moss, you, you hear weird sounds and wee, 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 you know. Is that Freddy Krueger? Wait, is that Chucky? You know, Jason sticks his out of his ski mask or showing up. It's just bizarre. And so it is in the spirit. When you're alone, you hear lies and voices that you begin to believe. And so David was in this crazy space, but God did something. A verse that should not be overlooked and it's in 1 Samuel 23. Look at this. One day near Horesh, David received the news that Saul was on his way to kill him. So David hid in the wilderness of Zeph, in a forest. But Jonathan went to find David and encouraged him to stay strong in his faith in God. Don't be afraid, Jonathan reassured him. My father will never find you. You are going to be the king of Israel and I will be next to you. Now, this wasn't new information for David, but he needed someone to remind him of who he was in God. And sometimes even great men and women of God can find themselves hiding in the woods. So David comes and says, hey, excuse me, Jonathan comes to David, this covenant relationship. 
says, you're gonna be the king of Israel and I'm gonna stand right at your side and begins to remind him of who he is. And I believe this is a significant moment where David snapped out of it. And as you know, he became the greatest king in the history of Israel. But when you get in the woods, sometimes you can't get out by yourself. And I've just witnessed it too many times where people give up on church and they develop strange theologies and they sit home with you know, their little online auditing of bizarre teachings and it's a dark future. What you need is you need a friend to come to you out of covenant relationship and prophesy the word over you. And here's the dynamic I want you to get. When you commit to community, when you commit to get planted in the house of the Lord and do life together, God is going to orchestrate God-appointed relationships. You don't have to look for them. You don't have to ask for friend requests. You just show up, be faithful, love one another, be vulnerable and available, and God will bring people into your life to speak over your life and help lead you into your destiny. That's my story. That's why I'm here today. That's why I'm in ministry, because I committed to the house. I'll give you two examples. I was committed to serve God with all my heart. Single dude, age of 22, in love with Jesus. Went to Boise, Idaho to do some worship and preach at a youth service. I walk into the room and I look over and I see Donna is there, my wife. She's not here, that's my sister, I'm sorry. <laughs> my sister and my daughter, we got family. Donna took the grandkids home. So I'm, I'm just doing the will of God and I look over and I see Donna and here's my thought. Look what the Lord has done. Isn't God good? And the rest is history in 41 years of marriage and grandkids. Let me fast forward. This young kid named Joseph shows up at a small group at my house. He's 18 years old. This would have been 22 years ago. So 22 years ago, Joseph shows up. And he heard we had a small group where we had songwriters and musicians. We'd sit around my living room and worship God together. And he comes in and he gets planted in the house. He comes back to the next group, shows up on Sunday, becomes part of the team. And he was going to Sac State, getting his degree and working at Starbucks and playing his guitar for change and trying to find God's direction. But one of those small groups, he looks over and there's my young daughter, Tasha, very young at the time too young for him to look at at the time, <laughs> right? <laughs> but he checked her out anyway. <laughs> and he looks over and he says, look what the Lord has done. <laughs> and now they're your campus pastors and worship pastors and she was just on stage. Why? Because he committed to relationship and to be in the house. And when you get connected, when you're in a dark place, God's gonna send somebody into the woods for you with the word of God in their heart and it's gonna take you to your next place in God. This is the way that God operates. But it's all about who you walk with. You know, it says in Proverbs, if you walk with the wise, you'll be wise. If you walk with fools, you'll suffer destruction. If you walk with worshipers, you will be a worshiper. If you walk with skeptics, you'll be a skeptic and on and on it goes. You hang out with critics and negative people, that will become your vocabulary. The quote is very true. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. And I'm gonna tell you one more story, and then I'll give you the, the final point, which I'll give it to you in advance. Sign up and show up. Okay, we'll get there. Sign up and show up. So this week, I got a chance to speak at the Dream Center in LA. Love the Dream Center. Pastor Matthew and Carolyn Barnett, amazing people. 
And by the way, you support them generously through our global reach. They're one of our strategic partners. And being there this week, I was just reminded why we invest so much and, and we take teams so often. So I preach at the service and I have Pastor Costanetto, our friend here from Brazil. Are you in the room, Costa, right there? Give it up for him, Fortaleza. Such a humble guy. But he wanted to see Dream Center, so we get done with the service and Matthew takes us up to the roof. Now the roof of the Dream Center is the perfect view looking down on LA. And we're looking at Los Angeles and Matthew says, hey, you guys wanna walk through the dorms and meet some of the folks that are here going through the program and, and I'll introduce you. And I'm like, I would love that. And we said, you bet. So we start walking through the dorms and they got clearance for the, the girls' dorm. We go in, one of the leaders brings out a young lady who was caught in human trafficking. She'd served in some horrible places been abused in many ways and her life was a broken train wreck of a mess and she's standing there with the joy of the Lord sharing her story of redemption we're just weeping and crying had a prophetic word for her and it was it was a powerful moment so then he goes hey let's go we walk into the the, the guy's dorm and they're lining up and here comes the guest speaker and Matthew calls this guy out his name is Daniel and these young people have been trained to share their story they're brilliant at it and he says Daniel Tell Pastor Dave your story. Now, Daniel's a unique looking dude. He's got like numbers right here, tattooed around the top of his forehead, hard to miss. And then full sweeping neck tattoo, but here's the one. He had a rose tat right underneath his eye, all the way down to his jawline, beautiful rose, but his whole face was a rose. And he starts telling me his story. Living on the streets from the age of 15 to 21. He's 21 right now, he's at the Dream Center. And he was addicted to fentanyl and he dealt meth and had been on any drug, every drug, you know the drill. And he was a part of some gangs and in this gang violence one night, someone shot him in the head. And so he leans over and he parts his hair to show us the bullet wound in his skull. And what should have killed him, the Lord spared his life. And when he got out of the hospital, someone said, you need to go to the Dream Center. Dream what, what is it? checks into the Dream Center, they accepted him into the program because they don't charge these young people. They just bring him in and that's part of what your giving goes towards. And so Daniel, he's telling this story and while he's talking to us, he's beaming with the glory of God, articulate communicator. Obviously he's gonna do some great things in his life. And he made these statements, he said, but now he looks around and by this time there's 10 or 12 of the guys that have gathered around to hear the story and we're in the hallway. And he looks around, he says, but now, he says, these are my people. And then he made this statement. He said, I never want to leave this place. He found community. He, he found a tribe that will walk him out of gang violence, early death, drug addiction, into the purpose and calling of God. That's what we're talking about. What we're doing at the Father's house is, and that's a radical example for sure, but in many ways from Celebrate Recovery, go down the list. We are providing venues where you can walk with a different group of people and find yourself in the center of God's will for your life. And this is why we do what we do. Can I get an amen? And the final point, sign up and show up. That's number three. Can we say it out loud? Sign up and show up. Now. As you leave in just a few minutes, we're gonna have a song of worship. I'm gonna pray over you. But as you head out today, it's still early, uh, you're gonna be given this little card. And on the card, there's a QR code on the back. Right now, there's about 400 adult groups at our locations at the Father's house, but 
As of this weekend, we have 154 either brand new groups or groups that have places and spaces where you can sign up, all right? So they'll tell you about how this is gonna work at your campus, your location. Here in Vacaville, uh, head over to the Discover Room, be a bunch of small group leaders that love to meet you and uh, help you get where you need to be. So this is the sign up, show up moment. But here's, here's what I wanna say before I pray. There's probably some people in the room and you're still in the forest. You're in a crowd right now, but in your spirit, you're in a lonely, dark place. And today, the love of God wants to call you out. God wants to draw you out of isolation and set you down in the middle of a family. And all he's looking for is your yes. He's sovereign, but he partners with your will. I can't do without God, but God won't do it without me. He's gonna partner with you. So as we conclude right now and the other campuses are gonna go into a ministry time, if you're in that place, I wanna invite you to simply say, yes, Jesus, I'm ready to walk out of this mess and walk toward the Son of God. So other locations, moving to that ministry time. Here in the room, would you bow your heads with me? This is an important moment. Let's honor the Holy Spirit, keep movement to a minimum. We'll dismiss you in about two minutes, but here's what I wanna ask, very important question. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Dave, I'm in the woods, I'm in isolation, and I feel far from God, but today I wanna to come home. Today I wanna know Jesus as Savior, I wanna find family, and I'm coming in His direction. And if God is speaking to you as I'm speaking these words, I'm gonna ask you right now to give the Lord your yes. If you've never made this commitment, or if you did and you walked away, but today you're saying, I'm coming back, I'm coming home, I'm coming to Christ. Heads bowed, believers praying. But for you, I want you to look up and wave at me and say, that's me, today's my day, I'm coming home. Just right now, just lift your hand and wave. Over here and here and here, right here in the aisle, thank you, in the cap. Right here in the risers, just looking across here, over here, back behind the screens, thank you. I'm just identifying five or six up through here, all over the room today. If you're in the side rooms, the family rooms, the cafe area, just lift your hand. We don't want anybody to miss out. This is between you and Jesus, but what we're doing is saying, we're agreeing that today you believed in your heart and you confess with your mouth that I'm coming home. According to Romans 10, nine and 10, supernatural change is gonna happen. So the final thing we're gonna do before we stand and worship is uh, we're gonna pray a prayer of agreement with everybody that lifted their hand. I'd like everybody to join this and repeat after me. Say, dear Lord Jesus, today's my day and I'm coming home. I receive your invitation and I say yes. I ask you to forgive my sin and be the Lord of my life. And by your grace, I'm gonna follow you. I will be your disciple all my days till I see you face to face in Jesus' great name. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord some praise today. Hey, really important before we stand, right before we stand, if you prayed that, we've got these orange, yellow, whatever color. These cards, we wanna connect you with some leaders, some people that'll help you get going. Grab one of these, meet us in the connect area. Everybody else, we're gonna see you in the Discover outside. Stand to your feet, we love you so much. Hey, sign up and show up. Have a great weekend.